on episode 55 of DevTalk, I speak to Christos Matskas about Microsoft Identity. Welcome to another episode of DevTalk. My name is Kerry Lothrop, and today's guest is Christos Matskas. Christos is a senior program manager, developer advocacy team at Microsoft Azure AD Identity. Is, is that was that correct? Did I completely mess that one up? Hello, Christos. Ninety-nine percent correct. So we're we're very close to uh, what it should be. I I can't even pronounce my name right. So don't worry about it. Even Greek people can pronounce my name right. So honestly, uh, I I gave up on it uh, at some point in the past and I just go with Christos now, especially when I speak to customers and other developers, because there's no point. I was I was talking about the title also. Ah, you you have a long title. Who cares about titles? Just a program manager. It's it's fine. <laughs> can you explain what you do? At yeah. Microsoft? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I These days I work uh, in the developer advocacy team. So our goal is to speak to as many developers and enterprises and customers as possible and mm-hmm. um, guide them uh, to the pit of success or help them uh, fall in the pit of success when it comes to implementing uh, authentication, authorization, uh, secure systems in the cloud uh, based on the Microsoft Identity Platform. Okay. And uh, so this is... Actually, the the whole um, security topic is is something that's dear to my heart, but I'm not that well versed in the you know the server side of things of of how authentication authorization is managed on the server side. And mm-hmm. and you we were talking before you mentioned mentioned uh, Microsoft Identity, and then there's also Azure AD. Could, could you explain what those things are and how they are related? Yes. So Microsoft Identity is the umbrella of the products that we have uh, under it. So Azure AD is one of the flavors that we have when it comes to implementing authentication. And then we have Azure Active Directory Business to Consumer. So that's the other product. Mm -hmm. And then there are other scenarios that we cover in there, like business to business, where you you have a service that another uh, company will be consuming. So there's no direct integration there, but you know you want to allow other customers or other businesses to uh, speak to your services. So that's a business to business. And then there are mm-hmm. external identities, which is another team within the, our team where another functionality is allowing uh, external identities like Google or uh, your, your own identity from Twitter, for example, to authenticate against uh, an Active Directory. So an organizational account a non-organizational account joining an organization. So let's say you are a consultant and you want to come and join our company to do a project or work a project with us. Then rather than us onboarding you into our tenant, which we shouldn't really be doing that because you're not part of the organization, but you still need to have access to certain things. That's where external mm-hmm. identities come in. So there are all these different flavors of um, implementations and uh, setups. And then they all fall under the Microsoft Identity Platform. So uh, when we speak to customers, when we speak to developers, we go as Microsoft Identity, and then based on their needs, we will uh, take the slice that makes more sense to them and apply it to the session. Okay, and everything that had Azure in front of it is the something that Microsoft is hosting. And, and are there any of those solutions are uh, on-prem solutions for customers? No, although Azure AD is a bit of a strange uh, beast. It's neither Azure nor Active Directory. Uh, however, <laughs> however, we're good at naming products at Microsoft. So Azure AD is uh, it's it's hosted by Microsoft, which is one of the benefits that you get from uh, implementing authentication via that service. 
and there's no uh, customer hosted solution. So you have to be able to connect over the network, uh, over the web to Azure Active Directory to authenticate. So you can still run on-premises solutions that authenticate against Azure AD, but you don't have your own flavor. Like in the old days, would you have your Active Directory running on your own environment, right? Very different. Yeah. Maybe for the listeners, could you draw that distinction between what what is authorization, what is authentication, Mm -hmm. and where do those take place? Absolutely. So authentication is the act of finding out who a specific user is. So when you authenticate or when I authenticate, I go to the identity provider, I provide some information. Usually usually it's a username and a password. And in return, I get a Mm -hmm. token that says I am who I say I am. So we we confirm. So both you and me trust that identity provider. And when I say to the identity provider, I am Christos, what you get back is, hey, this is Christos. You can trust this person to be who they say they are. So that is the act of authenticating a user. The Mm -hmm. authorization is the act of saying or proving what that user can do within your solution or within your system. So I could be authenticated against your system, but I do not have any permissions to say, um, see your calendar or something else. I can just see the the front page because I don't have the right permissions. So authorization, uh, in effect, is the act of giving the right permissions to the app, uh, to the user to use uh, parts of the application. And you could do authentication without authorization. You could have a, a simple web app that all it does is uh, logging in users so I can customize the experience and say, hey, welcome, Christos, to uh, uh, my website. No authorization. Or you can do both. Okay. But so for my username and password or maybe other other authentication factors, this is something I'm, I'm sure is in, in Active Directory. But the authorization part, is that something that you also put in Active Directory or is that closer to the actual application? Uh, both. Obviously, you need to, I mean, you could hard code things in your code to say if uh, if your name is Christos or if your email address is X, then you can only do certain things. But that becomes very hard to manage and scale. So what we do is uh, via the identity provider, we'll do something like role-based authorization where you assign a, a user or a group of users into a specific role. And then within mm-hmm. your application, you you look for that role. And that role will, come, uh, will become part of the token that you get. So... I authenticate to Azure AD, Azure AD validates who I am, and then in return, you will get my ID token within your application that will say who I am and what my roles are, and then you can use the roles to uh, to provide some kind of authorization, right? Uh, if, you're, okay. if you're working with .NET, that's actually built into the framework, so the authorization component in ASP.NET works straight out of the box with Azure AD. If you're using other frameworks like Node, or um, you know JavaScript frameworks. If you're doing a single page app or say Python, then you might need to implement the authorization yourself. Okay, so th- there was a lot to unpack in there. Uh, let, let's let's take it apart a little bit. So sure. I am a user. Uh, I'm I'm logging into the system. Maybe uh, n- not the first time, but I've I've logged into the system a few times. Mm-hmm. I'm prompted for my username and password. This is sent to the server in an encrypted manner. So the uh, end-to-end encryption between my client and the server. And then I receive a token. Yes. Is that right? Uh, Almost. 
So the, the first thing is if you are using delegate authentication, uh, the user is redirected to the identity provider. So your app yeah. never knows what the username and password is. And that's a perfect, mm -hmm. that's a great thing because you don't have to worry about the maintenance or the security of that. So somebody clicks on the login button, they get redirected or a pop-up appears to them and then they have to enter their username and password, which is against Azure AD or B2C, whichever system you decide to use. The identity provider, let's let's say you're using Azure AD, will validate that those credentials. It might even prompt for two-factor authentication uh, if you if that's been set up. Mm -hmm. And then once the authentication is successful, then not me, not the not the user myself, but the application will receive a, a token back. That that is yep. the token that proves that I am who I say I am. I've passed the the, the necessary checks. And now within your application, you can do the other necessary checks like authorization or uh, customizing the UI based on my settings and what have you. Okay. So we have a, a lot of mobile world's listeners here. Mm -hmm. uh, so coming from, from Xamarin development or other mobile development platforms, in the context of a mobile app, I would have, a, for example, a, a native app mm -hmm. or like or Xamarin native app or Forms app or something like that. Yep. For this authentication, it would be probably ideal that I open an in-app browser tab, like uh, spin up a Safari instance or, or Chrome instance within my app mm -hmm. and let the user authenticate in that so that my app doesn't actually get a hold of this this information that is input into the into the form, right? Correct. That's the That's the ideal scenario. And in fact, if you are using the system browser, then you also get other benefits like single sign-on. So let's yeah. say you created an application for your line of business apps or your organization, and everybody's running on the field using that app. Then if mm -hmm. uh, if that that uh, device is uh, in tuned, so if it's uh, it's joined to the network and it's managed by the network, then you can enable single sign-on. That means that as a user, I get a much better experience using the app itself. And you as a developer mm -hmm. don't have to worry about, you know, how am I going to integrate? What happens if the, the user loses their phone and all these scenarios. But from an implementation perspective as a developer, there are a few lines of code that you need to write uh, in your Xamarin app or whether you're doing actual native uh, Swift, Objective-C or Android development. And um, a few lines of code, there's a library for your uh, framework or language of choice. And then it handles everything for you from redirecting the user to the right page, to uh, acquiring the token, storing and casting the token, refreshing the tokens and what have you. So there's a lot of uh, complexity that is hidden away uh, for you and managed by the libraries. And you as a developer only have to worry about getting there and um, implementing the few lines of code. Yeah. As, so let, let me explain this part from from the mobile side, uh, or from maybe also from the from the user side. If mm -hmm. you open an app and you see that you're prompted to enter your Facebook credentials into into the mobile app into form fields that look like they're inside the app, mm -hmm. uh, that's probably a bad idea because uh, that app could basically maybe they will pass the credentials onto Facebook, but yep. uh, or your username and password, but they could also uh, like harvest. take them out and, and yeah. you know, harvest them, sa save them somewhere else. Uh, and then the the other thing people were doing is, is to use a, a, what we used to do is like a web view. Mm -hmm. You open a web view inside the app and then all the, the content gets 
pulled from the server, but also you you could basically harvest whatever is input into there, just to add some some JavaScript or something. Or it's 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 very easy. Yep. And then the mobile manufacturers found a solution to, to this, and that's called the in-app browser tab that I mentioned before. And that means you special API calls. I think for iOS, it's the SF Safari View Controller or something is the name. And this thing will will, will come up and it's a, it's a full browser within your app. It will basically have all your cookies. And, and for example, if you've already signed in, it will just pop up a little bit and then disappear again. And there's a button on the bottom. If you're still paranoid that this might just look like an in-app browser tab, you can hit that uh, Safari button on the bottom, and then it will pop up into the browser. And then there's no way your app could harvest what is in- input into that. And you you can you can check the certificate there, and you can you can see if if it's encrypted. Uh, so many advantages for the user. And then you input your credentials, hop back into the app, and then you're you're authenticated. And I think that's this is probably the the, the safest way to do that, uh, both for developer and uh, and for the user. Yes, and I have a couple of samples for both um, Xamarin. Um, sorry, not for both. I have samples for both Azure AD and BTC in Xamarin Forms, and that show okay, cool. show how you, that runs. If you go into my GitHub repo, then you can find both. And we did also put a blog post out there. We did a stream as well. It's uh, it's it's definitely something that is in high demand. It's probably one of my uh, highest hit uh, blog posts so far. But uh, okay. the, the the act of integrating is it's probably more the configuration on the Azure AD and BTC side of things, uh, i.e. in the tenant, rather than the code that you have to write. It's literally less than 20 lines of code for everything, configuration and prompting the user for the authentication. Yeah, nice that it's so easy. I will I will link to that blog post. Um, so the next thing is, so we you say we have a, a token gets generated and the authentication provider gives this token to the service that not not to the user but to either to the app or the service that it needs to be authenticated uh, yep. yeah and uh, what does this token contain well that token contains uh, information about who the issuer is how long the token is valid for uh, obviously some information for myself or at least the user anyway uh, it also has a signature, so you can validate against the. Just so you know that it's not somebody that crafted their own token and sent it to you. So yeah. uh, it, it's cryptographically signed. It's secure. You can validate that. You can open it. It comes in three bits. So if you use things like uh, JWT.ms or JWT.io, uh, tools that allow you to uh, open and uh, investigate the tokens, you'll see there's a. Uh, there's standard information there because we are following standards like uh, OAuth2 and OpenID Connect. So uh, these are specific fields and expect fields that you should find in the, the token. In, in most cases, you don't really need to worry about that because your the library, if you're using, for example, MSAL, the Microsoft Authentication Library, it will uh, deserialize or it will translate that token to you. And you'll, in fact, you get uh, a user object back. Uh, mm-hmm. You can still you can still mess with the token if you want to, although that's not advisable, right? Okay, yeah. So you say it's cryptographically signed. What is it validated against? Is there a, a public key? That there's, the there's a well-known yeah. key for the identity provider for both mm-hmm. Azure AD and BTC. Uh, well-known 
uh, endpoints as well. They can validate things and validate tokens. So from your perspective, again, you don't really have to worry about these things as long as mm -hmm. you, you point to the right place. And that, that's all handled to you by the library. So unless you're rolling out your own OpenID Connect library or uh, tool, then everything else is handled for you. And we would like to avoid um, overcomplicating things for developers, right? Because um, yeah, yeah. because people are like, what do I need to learn about OAuth and OpenID Connect? I have no idea what that is. And then you start looking into flows and people's minds just get so confused. So from my perspective, uh, as a developer, all you really care about is somebody or you go and create an app registration in the... Uh, in the Azure AD, just to show the intent, you can say to Azure AD, I'm going to be using you for authenticating users and I want to get some roles back. And then in the code, you just have to add the appropriate library. Now, if you are new to authentication, uh, we have libraries for most of the major frameworks like MSAL for Node, MSAL for .NET, MSAL for Xamarin, uh, the MSAL mm -hmm. for .NET is the same for Xamarin, but you choose the, the framework and language of uh, uh, that you'd like to work with. We provide you with the libraries. Um, and you, off you go. If you are a, a, a seasoned developer that knows about authentication, you might even have your own OpenID Connect library. You can build, bring that across so you don't have to rewrite your code from scratch. Just point it to the, the well-known endpoints and off you go. Okay. Yeah, I've seen those examples with just a few lines of code. Then you've got a functioning and secure mm -hmm. uh, authentication authorization mechanism. Uh, but th this... This stuff is so much more powerful. What are the some of the things that that you can do to? I I know that there, there's there's so much complexity under the hood. Um, do, you, do you have an example of, of things you could achieve with a system like this? You mean with uh, the existing libraries that we have? Yeah, I, I mean, um, so is, is it always just a few lines to to use uh, these Azure services or? Is, are there like scenarios where it's hundreds of lines, but it's mm -hmm. very complex and it, uh, it completely integrates with uh, what a company has, for example? Sure. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. So we have been involving our libraries to uh, hide a lot of the complexity because most of the developers tend to, to go with what's out of the box, right? So if we take ASP.NET, for example, uh, two or three years ago to implement uh, OpenID Connect, um, into your code, you had to add quite a few lines of uh, middleware there because you had to configure the OIDC uh, connection, the settings, uh, certain options. You also had to listen to events or you might sometimes want to listen to events like when the tokens acquired, when the authentication is successful or maybe unsuccessful and do the appropriate uh, actions. Uh, but since most of the developers will say, all I want is actually somebody to sign in somewhere and then in, in effect, I get their username uh, back. Uh, we, we hit a lot of that complexity behind our libraries, which handled most of the uh, ugliness. And then mm -hmm. today in ASP.NET Core, it literally takes one line of code inside your middleware, inside your startup.cs, and four lines of code in the, not four lines of code, it's four lines in the configuration file in the app settings to actually get off the ground and have a, an implementation there for authentication. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't go and... Um, tap into OpenID Connect events, for example. We still give you the capability to uh, tap into the middleware and go as deep as you want, but uh, it all depends. So today, one line of code in ASP.NET Core, maybe, uh, I don't know, 10 lines of code in JavaScript, uh, and then 
if you really want to tap into specific events or if you want to have customizations there, we allow you to extend that beyond uh, what's out of the box. Okay, cool. Uh, when you say the, you said that uh, there are tokens tokens that are generated, mm -hmm. are these tokens that I can also handle? Like for example, my app that I, I store this token and then authentic authenticate uh, for against the service using this token in the future. Uh, yeah. So now we're adding okay. an additional token. So the ID token is the one that you get in in, in your app, and that that's the one you should care about for mm -hmm. an authentication perspective. But in in many scenarios and uh, most real scenarios. You have a web app that speaks to an API that speaks to maybe another API or another services. And for that to be secure in Twent, you also have to acquire an access token. So you might say, I authenticate as a user, but now I want to go and speak to an API to get some data from a database. Uh, if that's the case, then uh, as part of the authentication, uh, the, the service will return an access token as well. That access token is not for you to deal with as a developer, right? All you have to do is just take that access token and pass it on to the downstream API or upstream API, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call that. And so the ID token is the one that you care about. You can open it and see what the username and password is. So the password, the username or <laughs> the uh, the roles are. And then if that same user needs to call an API, then your application will pass the access token, not the ID token, the access token to that downstream API which will also need to validate that uh, incoming token because you, you don't want to have man the middle attacks or somebody passing a random token and uh, all you check about is, oh, there's a, a bearer authorization, there's an authorization header with a bearer and some random noise there. You also mm -hmm. need to validate in your APIs or downstream APIs what that token looks like. Uh, and again, there is code that um, is provided by us to you to go and validate that against Azure AD or BTC. And at that point, the API can decide whether that endpoint is accessible based on the access token and the permissions that the user has acquired. Okay, so for example, if I'm using uh, GitHub with two-factor authentication and I wanna have GitHub, use my normal Git client, then I typically have to go, and go to the web page, create one of those access tokens and then yep. Feed that into my Git client, and then then I authenticate just using that token. Yep, very similar. But what we what we do with the Microsoft Identity is we abstract that for you, so you would not be going directly to GitHub uh, if you wanted to use GitHub as your identity uh, or the token issuer. What happens is um, you go to B2C, and B2C delegates that uh, authentication to GitHub. And then B2C will mm -hmm. issue the token to you. So GitHub says, yeah, um, you know, Kerry is the one who says he is. And then uh, at the back of that, it will return the tokens. B2C will take that and then it will issue the appropriate tokens to you. So um, what you get at the back of that is an Azure AD B2C token, not a GitHub token. But B2C yeah, knows but it, how to deal with that. Yeah. It, it makes sense that you. Uh, it, you can't use the normal way of that you authenticate against the the GitHub website because then you would have to enter your second factor each time you you push something or pull something. Um, so uh, it makes yeah, it makes so, sense that there are tokens. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and then there's any in fact any OpenID Connect uh, provider. It can be GitHub. It can be let's say Twitch. Right. I want to use mm -hmm. Twitch. Uh, as my login provider. So when the users come, because I know they are you know, Twitch users, 
why not use that rather than creating a brand new account? So there's a way yeah. to configure that as your backend um, authenticator for your B2C, which is great because you have one point that you can configure everything, Twitter, GitHub, Twitch, any open ID you connect provider, and your application only points to B2C to do the necessary. Okay, and but tokens typically have a limited uh, um, lifespan. Lifetime. Yep. Uh, so, what happens when my token expires? Well, there's usually a refresh token that gets issued with your um, token. So, uh, behind the scenes, the MSAL library will uh, work out whether you your your token has expired, and then it will use the refresh token to go and grab one silently for you. So for mm -hmm. example, if you have Outlook installed on your phone or if you have, uh, say, Teams installed on your phone, like I do for most of the time, I, I think I only have to re-enter my company's credentials once every six months because that's the expiration time of the refresh token. And for the rest of the time, it does everything magically behind the scenes. So as a user, I don't really have to worry about that. Um, so refresh tokens are the, the magic that makes the user experience much better. So I don't have to re-enter my username and password every time I come out of the app, right? And it, okay. my tokens are destroyed. So you're not saying the refresh token is valid for six months. You're saying it is used within these six months to always get new tokens. Yeah. And after six months, your company policy says you have to re-enter your credentials. Correct, Amanda. Yeah, that's the right one. Okay. And uh, tokens could also be revoked on the server side. So it's probably mm -hmm. not not sufficient to just check if they if they match a public key, but also to yes to, to call that call that back and to, to verify that this token is valid. Correct. Yeah, although that's a challenge because let's say uh, you are removed from my Azure AD tenant, but you authenticated five minutes ago. Uh, the default life, lifespan of an ID token is 60 minutes. So mm -hmm. for the next 60 minutes, you will still have access to that. So unless your app actively goes and checks for the um, the valid, valid uh, sorry, you, you logged into the app, right? Using that token, uh, you'll still be logged into the app for another 55 minutes, even though you are not part of the uh, Azure AD tenant anymore. But we are actively working now on things like a continuous um, token assessment, where you don't have to do anything in your code, but behind the scenes, we can check for things like, oh, you know what? He was, uh, his token was revoked five minutes ago. Uh, let's, let's kick him out of the system without having to change anything in the code, which is fantastic. Okay, cool. Yep. Speaking from from the mobile perspective, just because I stumbled again, uh, over this again today uh, with uh, with an app we're currently developing, um, some people feel the need to authenticate an app against the backend. So they want the to make sure that their API is only being called from an app mm -hmm. uh, from their app. And typically, that that is not something you can do, uh, and is is in almost all cases the the better idea to authentic, authenticate the user and not, uh, not the, the app. app itself. Yeah, yeah, that is correct. The, we have an exception in a lot of projects. We have like a, a connection to a BLE device or something that's connected to the phone, and that might have like a real crypto chip inside and a real certificate. And then we, we can authenticate 
that that's an, an authentic device. Our, this is our company device we're talking to through the phone. Uh, but the app itself is is basically, uh, yeah, it, it just makes calls. If if it is it is not hard, if there are any secrets embedded into the app bundle to 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 get at those secrets, and even if you if you generate if you have common secrets for each app installation, then uh, those are very likely to, to get breached, and then then all the you you can't just revoke uh, those common credentials because everybody's using them so the the way with the doing it per user and also using tokens is is a much better approach for that agreed yeah so what else is there along the way so you mentioned uh removing the user logging out is that mm-hmm. does that have something to do with token validity or yeah i mean as i said there are certain ways, like from a security standpoint, continuous assessment of the tokens validity is important and something that we're working on. Proof of possession mm-hmm. is another thing. Like, how can I confirm that uh, the the request that is coming from is from the original device or service that requested that token as well? So, proof of possession is another big thing that we're working towards. And, okay. uh, and then there's this whole other um, space within the Microsoft Identity platform that uh, we don't really t- tend to talk about. So beyond authentication and authorization, we also have all these other benefits that uh, fall under the umbrella of Microsoft Identity, which is if you are running services on Azure, then you can automatically benefit from things like managed identities, service principles. These are cloud accounts or, or secure accounts that are assigned to services that um, and resources that can be used out of the box to speak to other services without you as a developer having to think about how that happens. So uh, a mm-hmm. very good example for that would be having an app service or a web app that needs to speak to SQL Server, both running on Azure. Now I don't have to provide my, my uh, connection string or authenticate my connection between the app service and the SQL Server because my managed identity that is assigned to that uh, app service has the right permissions into MySQL. So that's a service account that uh, is managed by Azure AD. And mm-hmm. you as a developer don't have to know, you know, the connection string, the secrets to your database, which takes a lot of uh, pressure off. We don't, you're not going to screw up by committing that code into source control. And from a, an enterprise perspective, IT pro perspective, uh, I can be a lot more confident that the code that you're writing um, is going to be secure. And what is an extra benefit on top of that is that you don't really have to worry about that even in your local development environment because we can emulate the managed identity. And that means that you as a developer never ever have to change connection strings between dev and prod. Uh, you use the right managed identity and you point to the right database and everything works automatically for you. There's also mm-hmm. the element of secure CICD, whether you're deploying a service or uh, infrastructure how do you secure things like uh, sensitive information, passwords, keys, API keys, storage keys, and what have you, uh, using Azure AD in, in uh, collaboration with things like Key Vault, then you can double down on security and ever have it to have to expose sensitive information in your CI/CD pipeline. So many benefits that fall under the umbrella. And unfortunately, we don't even have enough time in a day to talk about all these things because yeah. you start with auth and then you go to auth uh, authorization. 
And then you go like, how do you run your platform securely? How do you deploy your platform securely? How do you develop your platform securely? We've seen so many cases where uh, credentials were compromised in local development environments and were used against production systems. So it's it, it's a major uh, space and security is a, it's a wholesome uh, kind of a subject. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if I want to get started with this, can can you tell me well where to get started and also what what uh, kind of an investment I would have to undertake here? I, I think the the documentation that we have right now is very comprehensive, and we are continuously evolving that to try to cover more of end to end scenarios. Our GitHub mm-hmm. repositories have really good uh, stories built around them as well. Right now, we're working on our uh, libraries page to refresh it and make it more applicable to scenarios rather than having a full list of everything uh, and the sync there. Um, so I would say go to the, our documentation. Uh, if you search for Azure AD developer docs, then you can go there and then you can decide what you want to build and how you want to build it. Uh, in addition to that, we have, uh, again, as I said, we, we're doing streaming uh, on Twitch twice a week where we cover these very popular scenarios as well from a, 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 a pragmatic uh, side of things. So you, you come to the show, you can, you can see us building these things live, either ourselves or bringing uh, members from the community, whether you're a Python developer, JavaScript developer, there's always something applicable to you. And uh, on top of that, we you know we do things like podcasts. So hopefully everybody will be listening to this podcast. We do uh, <laughs> meetups and conferences. And if you really want to uh, reach out to us, we have a, an email. We'll share the email and the social media handles where you can reach out to us. So uh, please start with the docs. Uh, and if you get stuck anywhere, reach out to us. We're more than happy to help you. Cool. Uh, and uh, so can you talk a little bit about, about pricing? Is this based on usage or is it a monthly fee? Or So uh, yeah, absolutely. Azure AD, in fact, is is free for uh, for most things. And uh, what people don't even know sometimes is that if you already have an Azure subscription or an M365 subscription, then Azure AD comes as part of that. So it's it's already there. It's already free for you. Uh, and you, nice. won't, you, you won't believe how many people uh, we walked into and they were already using Office, but didn't know they had Azure AD behind the scenes for that. Uh, mm-hmm. where, you, where you start paying for things is when you implement uh, MFA, for example, on Azure AD. And then there are different pricing tiers if you do want to do uh, some more advanced policies, conditional access, and what have you. But this is something that the sales team is going to work with your, your um, enterprise agreement or as part of your enterprise agreement. You as a developer, though, if you really want to get started and they have no idea, like I, I, don't, I don't even have Azure, right? There's an, an M365 developer program which is totally free. You can go and enroll and you get an Azure AD plus sample data for free. You get SharePoint data, you get OneDrive data, you get calendar, you get contacts that allow you to uh, have a totally separate tenant to play with and test all these different functions without really having to have an Azure subscription. Uh, When it comes to B2C, which is the other offering that we have, and B2C is, you know, I want to just have a username and password database for my uh, forum where my friends can come and sign in or for my mobile app that needs to sign in users or I am, you know, Walmart and I want to my customers to come in, create an account and then buy stuff. Um, mm-hmm. The first 50,000 sign-ins are free uh, for you, for uh, all 
users. That means that you know if you hit the fifty thousand uh, sign-ins per month, and that's a very good problem to have, and you can start paying. It's it's actually a few pennies for or cents uh, after that, uh, and we're talking about in the thousands of the signings, right? So um, yeah. there is a, a, a scaling pricing going up. But uh, if you think what the benefits are when it comes to not having to deal with BII information, you don't have to deal with um, passwords and how you manage those users, the, the benefits of not having to have that complexity and uh, responsibility means that you pay a little bit more for the delegate authentication, but you get a lot for free, uh, you know, including yeah. conditional access and multi-factor authentication and what have you. So. Uh, there's a, a very low barrier to entry for both systems. In fact, as I said, they're free to start with. And then as you start becoming, uh, uh, your requirements start to become more complex. And then you can uh, start looking at how you can scale up. And then, you know, there's always a sales team that is there to talk to and um, see what kind of deals you can make. So from very small indie developers all the way to huge enterprises, we, we can accommodate you and scale with your needs. Yeah, very nice. I, I mean, it 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 is so nice to to take away your your headache there that you don't make it into the headlines because you you stored the passwords locally and your hashing algorithm was uh, outdated or something like that. You shouldn't have to worry about these things. Yes, and unfortunately, every single day, every week, we have another breach somewhere. I don't know if you follow Troy Han, but you know Troy has his uh, yeah. have I been pwned website where you can go and check your emails and then every week you will publish another dump because somebody yeah. did not secure something correctly. Uh, he, he sends me too many emails, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so ideally you don't want to be, uh, you don't want your email to be found anywhere and you don't want yeah. uh, as a company or as a, you know, as a developer to make the news for the, the bad reasons. We want you to fall in the pit of success as I said in the beginning. So authentication yeah. should be your least uh, of your worries. You use somebody else's yeah. system, you integrate with your solution, and you move on to the next task. Great to hear that that you've got uh, everything covered there. Uh, thank you so much for for telling us uh, or, or taking us on this journey and, and telling us what Microsoft has in store there. And thank you for having me and uh, for taking time to listen to me. I appreciate it. This has been another episode of Dev Talk, and we'll see each other again in two weeks. Bye bye.